It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 29. I'm Evan Marinovsky here alongside Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Connor, how we doing? Evan, I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's a, a Wednesday afternoon. We're recording this. It's nice. Uh, it's gotten a little warmer here. 30, 31 degrees? It's not, not bad. It's nice weather. Yeah. I, I remember a few months, was it maybe a month ago or so, we were talking about the winter and how there hasn't been any snow, nothing to worry about, and now all of a sudden just get absolutely hammered by snow over the weekend. So I don't know how much you guys got out in Western Mass, but I'm out in uh, the Metro West area, and it is, it's pretty rough out there. The, I it, got completely pretty much snowed in, so it took me about 90 minutes to get my car out there. Yeah, I'm from the Metro West, so my fa- my family was telling me how much snow they got. We got a good amount of snow, uh, a lot. At least that's what it felt like. Um, but uh, it, it's funny, you know. You mentioned the the warmer weather happening in November, December ish. Um, I feel like the winter now, the the prime peak winter months are like mid January to end of March ish. Like it's all it, this is the time of year where it's most cold. There's most snow. And not really December-ish. December's kind of – December's basically summer at this point. Let's be well, real. Well, also, like, you have, like, in November and December, at least you have, like, the holiday season around. So even if it snows a little bit, you're still jolly. Now we're in, like, just, like, the the, the worst stretch of the year, right, where it's still, still dark at, like, 435. Uh, again, you, you see March and you hope that maybe, you know, the spring will be right around the corner, but – most years you still get like two or three nor'easters in February, which is so miserable. Um, yeah, no, this is easily the worst part of the year. If this was a normal year, um, we were covering the Bruins. This is like the stretch where it's like the dog days, right? Where you're just going through the motions pretty much. So yeah, no, this, this, this time of year sucks. And that's tr- the funny thing you mentioned is the dog days aspect of it. Cause usually as you said, this time of year, right? Once the trade deadline hits, then things start to get exciting again. But for mm-hmm. a long stretch, people forget how boring it is when you're when those you know those those you know Wednesday night games against the Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg and things like that where I mean you know I would go back to that in a second but at the time it's like the dog days um, and this year the dog days will probably happen in like March um, yeah. which is better because at least March the weather's starting to get nicer that's why March is one of my, I said this to my friend last year before COVID hit and now I'm I kind of <laughs> wish I didn't say it I said March is maybe one of my favorite months. Because it's and it, it it's weird like that March April stretch is one of my favorites like when baseball starts up mm-hmm. because you get those days where it's like fifty five sixty ish around noon where you're like I'm gonna wear shorts today it's like, beautiful it's it's just that 
it, it's, it flips, it's, it flips the switch so fast. I love that time of year. Uh, last year, obviously, it kind of got bulldozed. By <laughs> a, little, COVID, a, a little hampered a little bit there, but. <laughs> but anyways, this year, at least, uh, the dog days of the NHL season will come around a nice time of year rather than shitty January uh, or February. But anyways, speaking of dog days, um, the Bruins will be, they, they will not have their upcoming games against the Buffalo Sabres, both postponed due to Buffalo COVID-related issues, not Bruins-related issues. How do these post, uh, postponed games uh, affect the Bruins going forward? Well, if you want to look at the negatives first, which I think the only real negative there for the Bruins is the fact that they're not going to, you know, they're going to have to add those games to the schedule later on when you already got a pretty compressed 56-game schedule. Like, the last thing you want is to just kind of drop those games, you know, in March, April, where the schedule really starts picking up there. So that's maybe the only drawback. Um, and the immediate, you know, you look at losing those two games off the schedule probably helps the Bruins, right? Because, one, obviously the priority, it's not like this is an outbreak on their team or they didn't, you know, play a team that – you're going to see guys all of a sudden get held out because of, you know, contact tracing or testing. So the Bruins dodged a bullet in that regard. But, um, yeah, losing those two games for right now seems like it's a, you know, I wouldn't say it's a good fortune for the Bruins, but they definitely could use it, right? Especially that, that Saturday game. If you play that Saturday home game against the Sabres, you're looking at three games and four nights for this team. And you look at, you know, the amount of guys they already have on the shelf with, DeBrusque and Grizzlick and Kasha and Stadnika. Uh, and you add in the fact that, you know, they get through that Washington series without anyone getting really injured, like put on the shelf. But Killed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you still got quite a few guys with bumps and bruises, as Bruce Cassidy said. So the fact that, um, you know, I'm Bruce Cassidy more or less said that, you know, maybe they practiced on Saturday, maybe, maybe Sunday, but having, you know, four days off without actual games, uh, is a, a good, uh, you know, a good break for the Bruins in terms of uh, letting them rest some of these guys who have taken maintenance days as of late. Plus, it allows you then to rest a guy like Grizzly and Nebraska who could be back pretty soon. I mean, both guys already started skating at Warrior. So rather than, you know, rush those guys back or have to play, you know, another two games against Buffalo without those guys in the lineup, you could rest have those guys, you know, work back at their own pace and then potentially when they go back on the road again next week, have all of a sudden your, you know, your second pairing defenseman and your top six guy back in the lineup. So um, obviously not ideal when you, you're you having games postponed uh, due to COVID, but from the Bruins' perspective, it seems like it works out pretty well for them for right now. No, it does. And that's sort of what at least it, it seems like is the fact that you're going to get that time off. Those guys who are injured will get time to rest and come back. Guys like Grizzly can come back in a lineup because uh, that doesn't seem super long-term to Brusque as well. Um, but it, it's funny. It, it is. It, it kind of hints at this bigger point of the NHL is just kind of hoping guys don't get COVID. It, there's not really a lot in place. And in fairness to them, I will say, it's hard. I mean, the spread of COVID right now is crazy. Mm-hmm. I, you know, with these, if you want these guys playing and traveling, like this stuff's going to happen. There's no real great way to avoid it other than bubbles and nobody wants the bubbles. So, but is there anything the NHL could have done better? Well, I, I think the situation, it's not, you know, the issue for this situation, this outbreak, and I have to imagine that Buffalo's pissed off about how it all went down. It's, you know, I don't think the issue is the guys contracting it. Cause as you said, it's widespread <laughs> transmits easily. This is all <laughs> stuff we know. Right. And, and Bruce Cassidy said today, 
Um, sometimes it's just, you know, you can do your best practices, but if you're, you know, you have kids who go to school or, or something like that, that's how it can start. So I think what people are mad about the NHL is about is that, you know, they've had situations where there's been legitimate outbreaks or at least situations where they've had teams have five, six guys go on the protocol list. And in most situations, they would just shut everything down, right? You look at Dallas opening the air, Carolina got shut down. That's what you should do when you have, you know, more than two or three guys. The fact that, you know, the New Jersey Devils, who as of Tuesday had 14 fucking guys on the protocol list, quite a lot. So they're shut down, obviously. Yeah. But that's a team that, so they played Buffalo Sabres this past weekend. On Friday, Travis Zajac gets put on the protocol list and, according to a story from the athletic, the Sabres reached out to both the devils and the NHL. And it's like, um, can we check like, a, is this okay? Like you have one guy added on there and apparently they didn't get any more information from the NHL and they went on as scheduled play a game Saturday call primary plays in that game. What do you know? He gets added to the COVID list on Sunday. They still play the game on Sunday. So you have to imagine the Sabres are playing that game. Like what the fuck? Like, all right, they, they've got legitimate guys in the lineup who go on the COVID list right afterwards, like we're probably screwed. Right. What do you know? Like all of a sudden on, on Tuesday, Taylor Hall and Ristolainen get added to the list. And also now Buffalo has a potential outbreak on their hands now off of, you know, those guys, you know, we're probably following best practices. Not like these guys were running amok and it's just because they play the devils who clearly had something going on. And whether it's, you know, the fact that the NHL didn't just, can those games or postpone them and push them back later. And then, you know, you already got this one situation with the devils where you got an outbreak and now you're just going to add to it with the Sabres who, you know, the, the East has been pretty lucky at least out of the start of the season, not having these outbreaks. Now you got two teams out of commission that impact a whole bunch of other games going forward. So um, and that's where I think the problem is. It's, you know, you can't fully stop these you know, situations, which guys, you know, test positive or have, false positives or anything like that. Those are going to you roll with the punches there, but the NHL should have stopped those games this weekend because now you got a situation. we got a whole bunch of teams kind of just sitting around for the next couple of days, which was wholly avoidable when you look at just the overall situation and how it was mapped out. Well, that's the issue. It's avoidable. Like you just could have, as you said, you could have postponed those games and they didn't. And that's the aspect where it's like, guys are going to get COVID, but you have to be, you have to understand that because we understand that they understand that they signed, basically signed up for it. But you also have to understand that these other teams, you know, teams who are playing them, who don't have outbreaks, don't play the games. Just don't play the games. You can you can easily move them back. It's no big deal. No, Evan, People you, are you, not sad about Sabres Devils. Yeah, I was gonna say, Evan, no, they needed to have that <laughs> that Sabres Devils weekend matchup. Everyone was clamoring for it. So there was everyone was riots. clamoring for that that point seven rating they were gonna draw and you know all that stuff. But no, it's ridiculous. That stuff's ridiculous. And and you could probably bet on the NHL going forward. Uh, you know, being a little more careful with COVID. But if you really want to make some good bets, you go to bet online. Evan, you never fail with those lead-ins. It's, it's beautiful. beautiful. Listen up, guys. It's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. The Super Bowl is almost here. NBA is back in full swing. And yes, Bruins hockey has returned. And even though you may not be at a game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how the schedules change or the players at play, BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online, and we even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to BetOnline and enter promo code CLNS50, that's C L 
NS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard me, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Evan, it's pretty good. No one beats that. Nobody beats it. So what are you guys waiting for? Head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Go to them. Uh, it's funny. My friend just texted me. From Ar- She's from Arizona. It's so nice out right now. 75. And I responded, same. It's up to 36 it's, here. So it's we're pretty relatable, nice right? Day. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, imagine living in a place where it's 75 in January or February. Jesus. And if it would just throw the whole like clock off though, like I, I, I would, I wouldn't complain, right? I'd be walking around in shorts. I'd be thrilled, but I'd be like, this, this isn't right. It's like, no, it's, like it's not. You, it's like, uh, like fl- going to Florida or, uh, California, somewhere hot, like for Christmas. Like, it's just not right. It's not the we'll same. But it's not, no, not the same. Like, I've never experienced a hockey season in warm weather. Imagine, like, going into, like, consistently, like, covering a team like the Coyotes, the Ducks, the Panthers, the Lightning. You're just walking in mid-December in shorts or, like, you know, a short sleeve shirt. Like, that just wouldn't happen. It doesn't feel right. Uh, so maybe we have that on them. That uh, And also, you don't appreciate spring. Like, imagine just it being warm all winter and then just, like, it's warm again and then yeah, warmer the, in the summer. The first, like, 55 to 60-degree day after, like, the whole misery of January and February is beautiful. You just walk oh. around with, with nowhere to go. You're just walking aimlessly. It's beautiful. Oh, the walks, the walks through campus, like, when it was beautiful out, like, those, those March days where it was, like, 56, and it'd be a little, like, the snow would be melting, and, you know, it was just perfect. It was like, oh, my God, spring is here. It's time. So... Uh, at least we can maybe appreciate spring a bit more. Uh, the big t- big topic of today's episode, Greg Wyshynski for ESPN Plus uh, did a way too early uh, rundown of the heart, the Norris, the Calder, the Vesna, and an interesting point he made with the heart. Now, I can honestly say I have not thought much about these trophies considering the season just started. So, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I plead that I have not looked into uh, heart nominees yet, but I did after this. And one player he has as a favorite for the heart through nine, ten games is Brad Marshawn. And Marshan, Marshawn, I always never really know what to say with the last name. Whatever. Uh, point is, Marshan uh, is a legitimate heart trophy candidate. Does he continue and do an, like, does he, is there a chance he actually wins this at the end of the year? Uh, I mean, if he keeps on playing like this, he'll be in the running. I mean, I think it was just a few years ago. Maybe it was 2018-19. I think maybe he finished top five, I want to say. So, uh, I mean, you'll get just like the baseline numbers, and it keeps up what he's doing, and he's more than a, a point-per-game guy. He's going to be in the running because I think Mashian, as much as he draws criticism from people outside of Boston, I think people more or less respect that, one, he's already one of the best, if not maybe the best overall left wing in the game probably or, or very least right up there right and it's not just the fact that he produces offensively he's also you know a great two-way player he contributes obviously on the power play penalty kill um he's already got a shorthanded goal set up another one um so if he keeps on playing like this he's going to be right in the running for it i mean you could probably also put a guy like Berger on that list if he keeps on scoring at this pace um you know if, if he ends up being a guy who you know, you look back at a few of these years where he, either due to injury or the season getting shortened, like, 
you know, what, what would have happened last year if Bergeron, who I think already had 30 goals last year, but what if he hits like 35 or 40 on a full season and he plays his usual two-way play? It's kind of like a guy like Kopitar where he got uh, – was a finalist for the hot where it's like everyone knows he's a good two-way guy, but when also he scores – 30 plus goals or, you know, hovers around hundred points kind of puts them up to that next level. So uh, yeah, I think Martian is going to be right in the mix there, especially you look at a few other candidates. I mean, McKinnon's uh, going to be out. He's week to week right now. So that's a tough hit there. Um, of course, the, the one issue you're going to run with run into, it's like uh, playing, trying to win MVP in the nineties with Jordan or, you know, win an MVP with like LeBron. It's like, you always see, you're going to have Connor McDavid and, uh, and dry sidle right there too. And I mean, their numbers are just stupid right now. I think McDavid has 22 points already. So um, <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to be the big issue there, but I mean, who knows? It, it could be one of the situations where it's like, you know, the, the voter fatigue or, you know, again, Michael Jordan and LeBron probably should have been MVP for 10 years straight. Right. But they weren't. So if this is a situation where Martian keeps up what he's doing, he's more than a point per game guy, the Bruins, when, you know, win the president's trophy again or, or something like that, he could very well be in the running because, um, you, you know, you hope Machin doesn't run into any issues with his, his arm or his shoulder after going into the boards pretty rough against Washington. But, uh, you know, going into the season, he mentioned that he was playing at 80% for a long, long time before he got that sports hernia surgery. And now all of a sudden he looks pretty good out there, right? I mean, he looks, pretty good. he looks pretty good. So, um, yeah, if he keeps up what he's doing, plays his game, I think he's definitely going to be in the running. He's going to be in the conversation, I think, the whole year if he keeps on producing at this level. It's just I think the biggest issue is whether or not the NHL wants to look at, you know, a, a guy in a situation where they mean more to the team or uh, they get just, you know, voter fatigue from a guy like McDavid or Dreisaitl. Because you could have made the case last year that Panarin should have won the hot trophy just in terms of how important he was to that team uh, and how good uh, the, the the strides that a team like the Rangers made so who knows maybe it's you know a, a guy like Sveshnikov breaks through and Carolina contends with the, the lightning for that uh you know for the in the south so a whole bunch of different ways you can judge it but I think Marchand at the very least is going to be right in the conversation the whole year he, sh- he he will be in the conversation he should be in the conversation you look at his contributions on the p on the power play the pk I mean the goals he's had the way he's killing penalties I mean he really has turned into this elite not just score, but a two-way forward. I mean, that, I think that's something that a lot of people, it takes years for, for, you know, perspectives to shift on certain people in the NHL. It took a while. It's still happening for Martian not to be known as a pet, you know, a, a dirty player. And he's completely turned into this, you know, over a point per game per season guy, score, all this stuff. Now the narrative is becoming as it should. He's an elite scoring two-way forward. I mean, he he really is arguably, I mean, I would argue probably the best left winger in the NHL all around everything. I mean, I think he's the guy you want. You can bring up Kucherov. Kucherov is soft. Kucherov kind of withers in these big moments. Um, so Marshawn really doesn't. So I think, you know, he, he has that. He has a couple odds stacked against him. Number one, you mentioned the McDavid aspect, Dreisaitl. They're carrying that team. They, like yeah. that team stinks outside of them. And I mean, you, it's funny, you look at like, like even when I like on, on Bruins beat, I mentioned you know Rask's high danger numbers and everything. Koskinen is up there with so many high danger chances yes. against the guy is just getting bombarded. Um, and Drysaitel and, and McDavid are carrying uh, that team. Another thing he has is he's Marshawn. You know, a lot of yep. writers aren't going to be big fans of him. People around the country, uh, you know, kind of outside of Boston hate him. He's a pest. He's a rat. Blah blah blah. 
they're going to have a tough time voting there. And the other thing is he's on a good team. He's on a good team, uh, which never helps uh, with MVPs because then they can just say, well, you know, if Marshawn, you know, wasn't that good, the rest of the team would pick up for it. Well, okay. But I mean, Bergeron was out for, you know, or not Bergeron, Poshnok was out for a bit um, and Marshawn really kind of, uh, overcame that and, and uh, produced a ton and just the way he has. I mean, I think he is a, an easy top three candidate for MVP. But again, as you said, or as I said, the, the team around him is too good. It was the same with Pasternak last year. And Pasternak right. wasn't really a serious, I never thought was that serious of a contender um, come the end of the season solely because of like, you know, again, it was just a lot of scoring. It wasn't like he was, you know, having these huge PKs and, and things yeah. of that sort. It was really just he had a nice slap shot and he was always scoring goals, which is great, which is great. But I think MVP is a lot more than that. Um, and Marshan fits the bill of that this year. I can't figure out what way I want to say Marshan. Uh, it's kind of sad. Same what breath. way is it, by the way? What is there a specific way? I always say it differently every time. Now you put me on the spot because now I feel like I've now in my head I feel like I keep on flip flip flopping through it. Brad Marshand, right? Because I used to never, Marchand. I used to never think about it until, because we don't talk about Marshand a ton. Usually, we're talking about like it's one of these things. Someone asked Nick, Nick Ritchie. Or... Yeah, we talk about Nick Ritchie all the time. No, someone asked. I think it was um, they asked Marshand. I think it was Jimmy Murphy asked Marshand after a game recently. Like you know, it was after Bergeron had two goals against I think the Flyers, and he was like, you know, we always, we you know, Bergeron's always good. We never really ask about him. Like, what is that mm-hmm. like? You're just right. having him always be good. It's the same with Marshan. Like, we don't really ever talk about him unless he's doing horrendous or, like, mm-hmm. he gets injured because it's just the huge that he's it's, that it's, good. It's a given, right? It's a given, so we never really dive deep into him. But, uh, yeah, we did on this because he's a legitimate heart trophy candidate. Another person, Greg Wyshynski. Speaking of last names uh, that you can't say, mm-hmm. Wyshynski. Wish. Um, so he was, he, uh, he was talking about the Norris Trophy. Kale McCarr, he has as the leader. Uh, finalists next to Makar would be John Carlson and Victor Hedman. Uh, but the first name he mentions for the other defenseman category is Charlie McAvoy. And hell yes, absolutely 100%. And uh, this, I mean, I, I think McAvoy will totally get Norris consideration this year. And it's awesome to see that a lot of people around hockey are really starting to notice the impact McAvoy has on the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, he's not going to be as dynamic as, I mean, Kel McCow is putting up highlights every single freaking game. <laughs> now. He's, he's freaking insane right now. Yeah. Uh, he's not going to be as dynamic as that, but you're seeing him run with kind of the extra reps he's been, he's been granted. And, you know, McAvoy was already a elite defenseman last year, just off of his ability to eat minutes, um, his transition game, uh, you know, defensive, uh, stats that he got out there like he was already fantastic it's just that having a really good you know being an expert at getting the puck out and you know getting clean entries doesn't usually translate to points on the board now you're seeing it at least so some of the dum-dums who base all of like you know the the norris on whether the the big defenseman can also get points once in a while mcavoy is close to a point per game now so that helps him out in that regard and again he can get a lot better, you know, the, the one kind of knock against McAvoy has always been his willingness to not really shoot the puck. So, um, but you're seeing him be a lot more assertive in the offensive zone and everything else has been as advertised, right? He's averaging over 24 minutes a game. He's still very good defensively. Um, his ceiling is still nowhere close to being kind of realized so far. So good for McAvoy to be in that conversation. I think he will be, I think people are going to look at again, a guy like Makai who's breaking ankles and probably, you know, I think he's one of the favorites right now just in terms of 
one, he's very, very good. And two, he also gets a lot of hype behind him as well. Like McAvoy, unless it's like a big hit, you don't really usually see McAvoy make like highlight reel plays, right? He has good, you know, when he's activates off the blue line, has a few good passes, but he doesn't do like what McCaw does or Quinn Hughes or one of those guys. But I think you put all of what McAvoy strengths out together. It's why he's, uh, you know, one of the best defensemen in the league because there's few guys who can do everything so well that like he does. So um, I think he'll definitely be in the running. I think, unfortunately, he's going to have to keep up like a pretty consistent scoring pace just to remain in the conversation, which isn't fair to him or to most defensemen. But that's unfortunately, I think, one of the main ways you judge guys who do the Norris. They can't just be shut down guys. They got to, you know, have – 30, 40 plus points at a minimum. Um, so, I mean, at least McAvoy's on that, on that trajectory, but um, no, I think it's, he's totally deserved to be in that conversation because he's been fantastic this year. And as good as his defense has been, uh, if McAvoy wasn't playing at this level, you wonder just how shut down this whole unit would be because he's, he's absolutely been carrying them whenever he's out there on the ice. He really has turned into this elite two-way defender um, that I think is, is so solid at both ends of the ice. Um, it would be cool to see McAvoy make a few more highlight reel plays. That'd be, it'd be fun for us. Gift gift makers. It'd be fun. Usually, um, it's usually the hits, which you, I mean, do pretty well. Yes. People, get, people get amped up when he, he lays someone out. So yes, but no, I, I absolutely think he should get uh, Norris consideration. Um, I don't know if he wins it this year. I, I don't think he does just because again, Kale McCarr, John Carlson, Victor Hedman, Roman Yossi, uh, you know, he's a lot of good guys. A lot of good guys. But again, I, I think one area that he does have is if the team is good, typically the Norris Trophy guy gets a little bit of a bump because the team was good around him and they were the leader on defense for that team. If the Bruins finish in first uh, this year in the in the East or you know even in second, that helps McAvoy. I mean, that absolutely helps McAvoy. Is that hey, look, look at the guys around me. Um, they were, you know, we, we they were pretty good. So I think McAvoy absolutely should be considered. I think Marshawn has a better chance to heart than McAvoy does at the Norris just because of uh, the, the stats and the everything that goes into it. I did see a tweet, though, recently. I forget who it was by. It was by a um, stats-based uh, hockey Twitter account. And I'm blanking on the name. Um, they tweeted out something like, how does the rest of the NHL not realize Charlie McAvoy is a top three NHL defenseman? And they had stats that backed it up. I forget who it was. Um, I don't, I don't want to misname anybody or anything, but they did mention it and people were really engaging with it. So, um, it is good to see McAvoy get that press. He deserves it. He's, you know, incredible. We talked about a big UMass defenseman on this podcast, Kale. We talked about a big BU defenseman in this podcast, Charlie McAvoy. So boom. So all balances out. All balances out. All equal. Um, but anyways, uh, what can the listeners look forward to at Boston Sports Journal? Yeah, we're going to keep on breaking down. Should be, again, another two fascinating matchup against the Flyers, who I think we both had listed as probably the biggest threat to the Bruins so uh, in the East going into this year. They've won four in a row since Boston pretty much manhandled them in, in TD Garden. So, uh, and again, we're coming up on the 10-game mock where I'm sure both of us can kind of uh, do a bit of a deep dive going forward into who's impressed, who's been – I, who's been, uh, you know, not doing so well. So we'll have all that over at BSJ. So subscribe over at bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. And for Poke the Bear, I'm Ev Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan. You Poke the Bear listeners have a great rest of your day. (laughs) 